WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, host of the Car Doctor Program, and uh, hopefully you've recovered from any turkey hangovers uh, from Thanksgiving. Uh, not too much tryptophan in your diet, things like that, but uh, hopefully hopefully it's all good, and hopefully you have a little leftovers, too. Um, we have a great show plan for today. We have, uh, we have two guests on tap. Uh, the first one coming up right now is uh, Kaylee Hill. She is the electric vehicle uh, ecosystem manager for General Motors. Kaylee, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, first off, I, I need to ask about your title. It confuses me just a little bit. So what is it you do? So, yes, uh, thank you. I'm happy to clarify. So my job at GM is basically to help with EV adoption. So essentially for all of those individuals out there who are thinking about buying an EV and they're not sure if it's going to fit their lifestyle uh, my team helps create tools and products that might help them understand how an EV can fit their lifestyle. And, you know, as we look at EV adoption and we're seeing more and more vehicles, in fact, last week we had Zane Merver on. He and his brother run the largest GM enthusiast website, uh, uh gm-trucks.com is his website and he recently took delivery of a hummer ev and he drove it from new hampshire where he lives out to visit his uh, parents out in ohio and you know kind of describe the experience to us and is are those the kind of questions you get as far as if people are going to think about buying an ev how it's going to fit their lifestyle you're absolutely right. And in fact, road trip questions are really common. Uh, part of what our team does is we actually have a website called EV Live, uh, which is evlive.gm.com, where we have hired a number of EV specialists who are actually in the studio in person. They're there today. Uh, we're, we're in there seven days a week. And we invite people to call in to ask those types of questions. And, and when you do call in, uh, you just go to the website and click join a tour. You can actually video call with one of our specialists who in our studio have a number of EV products, whether it's the Hummer, which is actually in our studio right now, or charging products, uh, both road, public charging, and we also have home charging. So uh, that's, that's really a great way to get answers. And I have to tell you, we sure did get a lot of road trip questions leading up to Thanksgiving this year. Oh, I bet I bet you did. And one of the things that uh, one of the things that I hear from my readers and listeners all the time, and my full time job as I work at AAA, is um, all about range. And it seems like range anxiety really only affects the people that don't have an EV yet. The people that seem to have EVs seem to have pretty well adapted to the idea of well, if I am going to drive. X amount of miles, I just need to do a little bit of planning to make sure it's going to work okay. Are you finding sort of the same thing that people are people are uh, concerned about range, but once they get, you know, a Chevrolet Bolt, for instance, they find out it fits their lifestyle pretty well? 
You know what? It's so funny you say that because that has been exactly our experience, too. Uh, and that's what we tend to find when we have folks calling in. The one thing I think that is kind of helpful, if you happen to own a GM EV, um, we also have, as part of the ownership experience, an app that goes with your vehicle, whether you drive a Chevy or Cadillac or what have you. And it uh, pretty much helps you understand really easily where nearby charging stations are, charger availability. It helps you plan your route and so forth. So I think once you get in the hang of, you know, using the app uh, that we offer and just understanding how it's actually getting easier and easier with the infrastructure being built, you kind of start to adjust, like you were saying. Yeah, it really it really is. It's um, we're looking uh, where I normally live. Uh, EV charging is just starting to pick up. But around our office, for instance, uh, we we are putting in our in our actually office property, we're putting level three charging for our uh, for people who come to visit with us, we have level two charging at some of our offices now, and and where we have uh, real estate available, we're we're putting charging in. So we're we're trying to be part of that whole charging system infrastructure to be able to really kind of demonstrate to the public that um, that EV charging isn't as difficult or as hard to find. Yeah, maybe it's not quite there with gas stations yet, but it's it's still it's still something that you can certainly work into your lifestyle. And unlike most people who um, have gasoline cars. I mean, if you talk to, at least my experience is, if I talk to 20 people that had gasoline cars, most of them have, uh, most of them have a quarter of a tank of gas in their car. But you talk to people that have EVs, that especially if they're charging at home, they leave the day, they they start their day uh, every morning with sort of a full tank of electrons, and they come back home and they plug in. And every time I talk to somebody, says, "Oh, you know, I got to plug in my car every night." And I said, "What do you plug in now?" And they'll say, well, I plug in my laptop and my tablet and my phone. I said, yeah, what's one more thing to plug in? It's not that big a deal. That's exactly right. Absolutely, you nailed it. And I think the the really helpful thing uh, as you're, you know, getting ready for the EV ownership experience is making sure your home charging plan makes sense. And, you know, we offer a home charging program uh, at GM, so it's just something that we suggest that you, you give some thought to. But, yeah, I mean, think about the control you have when you can charge in your home. I don't have a gas station in my garage personally, and I think it's kind of great to be able to control it. And, and that is where a lot of the charging does happen anyway. Yeah, and it really is. And it was it was sort of I kind of I kind of laughed a little bit when I saw the when I saw the news release that came out. And it kind of it looked at the. Um, the EV Live uh, website sort of is the equivalent of the Butterball Turkey website where, you know, you can call up and get advice on how to cook your turkey for Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, you know, the idea that you can call and talk to an expert, talk to somebody who knows about the vehicles, knows about the charging, and like you said, knows about things like home charging, whether your home is capable of it or, um, you know, what kind of upgrades you're going to do. Do you give people an idea what, for instance, things are going to cost when they put home charging in? Well, we have, yeah, we have a lot of information on that. So it really depends on the type of vehicle you're buying. We actually, quite interestingly, do get a lot of non-GM folks calling in, so people that have other types of EVs, and we are more than happy to help them out. Uh, We have some products on um, evlive.gm.com, some tools that can help you understand the cost of ownership or maybe what charging on the go might cost you. So 
all of this is, um, you know, really just part of the, the various topics that we, we talk to folks about at EV Live. And ultimately, there's really, there's, there's not a question out there, honestly, at this point, I think we haven't answered yet. So I, I would encourage anyone who has questions to call in because we do, we do love to help. And the public charging stations, um, I mean, there's all different, all different kinds now, ChargePoint, Electrify America, EVgo, and other, Blink, I think, also has public, starting to put public charging in. So we're starting to see more and more of these public charging stations, and they're all a little, bif- all a little bit different using different types of apps or, or credit cards, tap-style credit cards, where you can just kind of wave your card in front of the machine and be able to access the charging. Um, but we are seeing more and more of these, which makes electric vehicle charging that much more convenient. Absolutely, yeah. And I think one thing I'd point out, if you are a GM EV driver, uh, within the app that you can get that goes along with your vehicle, we have a feature that's called plug and charge. So if you happen to use an EV Go DC fast charging station, you can use plug and charge to streamline the, the process. Basically, you just sign up once, and then any time you go to a, a EVgo DC fast charging station, you just plug in and it starts, and you don't have to tap any buttons or wait. It's really easy. So I definitely encourage those who may not be aware to please go check that out and make their lives much easier. Yeah, it really it really is, and and you kind of look at the lineup with General Motors now, and it sort of started with the Bolt, which I always found to be an extremely functional vehicle with um, great interior room and had had uh, nice range, and uh, there was some rebates and incentives that recently that brought that vehicle price wise down quite a bit as well, which which uh, makes it even that much more appealing. Absolutely. I love the Bolt EV. I'm driving one right now. And in fact, it's helping me because I'm doing a big house move. You would not believe how much you can fit in the back of that car. It is incredible. Yeah, it it really is. And one of the things, and and people may not be aware of this, but uh, one of the uh, one of the things that uh, has sort of popped up here and there a little bit is um, people are actually sharing their home charging stations. Um, I I don't remember if it's plug share or plug star one one of those where it's sort of like well I you know I have a home charging station if you know if it's available um, you can you can come to my driveway and charge up your electric car so we're seeing a lot of like um, uh, sort of Airbnb style sort of charging going on as well right well I think um, you know I really have to say I think the EV community is a pretty great one um, it, it really seems like people are are so in tune with what's going on and really supportive of each other you see those communities that pop up online and I think that's really helped us in our learnings uh, you know we've definitely gotten a lot of learnings even from some of the EV live calls we've received from people who have been driving EVs for as long as EVs have been around. So I'm really just excited to see that education spreading outwards and just a general public learning more and more about how this type of vehicle is, is really suitable for anyone's type of lifestyle, um, especially if you look at the lineup, like you mentioned, that GM has coming out. We really do have an EV that fits anyone's needs. Um, so I definitely encourage folks to come visit evlive.gm.com and talk about, you know, what is it that you do every day? What's your daily routine and, and what might work for you?
Yeah, I was just looking at the EV charging options on evlive.gm.com, and uh, you you sort of explain level one and level two charging. Level one is your typical house current kind of thing, but I like what you said in one of the uh, bullet points. It says a great option for the average commute around 40 miles or less each day, which the typical person commutes I guess about 30 miles a day I guess is what we're what we've always seen and but for a lot of people that maybe want to go out and buy an electric car but they don't maybe either have the electrical capacity at their house or maybe they maybe they uh, don't want to invest in level two the 240 volt charging um, but you only drive kind of a normal you know commute 15 or 20 miles each way back and forth to work plugging into 110 volts although it charges much slower overnight you you start you're again you're starting the day with the with a full battery which kind of makes it a whole lot easier as opposed to the uh, the 240 volt outlets which will certainly charge up your car much quicker uh, but for some people that 120 volt outlet is all you really need to charge up right well, that's the thing. I think, you know, you get home at the end of the day and you plug it in, like you said, exactly like how you would charge up your phone, your iPad, your computer, and uh, the next morning it's all ready for you to go. And so I think that's one of the major conveniences is because it's not like you then have to get on the road and, and go find a gas station like all of us have done, you know, first thing in the morning when it's freezing cold and the last thing you want to do is get out of your car. So I, I actually find that it's, uh, personally, I find it's really convenient and it's really straightforward and one of one of the things that i liked about um the website too is the ability to look at you know how what the savings is in fuel savings versus a gasoline car maintenance savings versus a gasoline car and how you can uh kind of really localize it put in your own zip code put in about how many miles you normally drive and you can you can kind of uh really visualize what kind of savings it would be if you decided to go electric. That's exactly right. That's why we built that calculator, because I think ultimately it's a, it's a very personal experience making that decision. A vehicle is a major life purchase. So we just wanted to make it as simple as possible for someone who says, you know, does this really work for me, though? And ultimately, I think what people will find is, yes, and you're going to probably save some money down the line, too, which I think is a win-win. Uh, so that's why we offered that tool on the website for those folks who want to play around with it maybe before they join a live tour. Yeah, it, it really is It really is kind of nice, the things that you can do on the website without actually, like you said, joining the live tour. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we look at the cost of electric vehicles versus gasoline vehicles, and there is, you know, initially they they look like they'll kind of price out the same, but the longer you keep an electric vehicle, um, it starts to pay for itself after a while. And I think the idea that the website helps you with that. Um, as part of the website, you said you have you have folks that are there right now, in fact, on, on the Sunday morning. But uh, are there also, is there also an interaction between current EV owners and people that happen to pop onto the site? Well, we actually have what's called group tours. Okay. And so what these are, uh, this is the, the opportunity for someone, if they felt like, you know, I'm not really sure where to start. I maybe don't want to have a one-to-one conversation because I, I just don't know what I don't know. So what we do every day is we offer, uh, you know, maybe a, a topic that's a little bit more general, like home charging 101. 
And what that does is it gives you the opportunity to join a tour with maybe a group of people. And the, the specialist that we have in the studio who's answering questions, they can answer questions from the group, which kind of helps everyone's communal knowledge because you can sort of ask a question maybe that someone else didn't even know to ask. And so that sort of creates a bit of a, a learning experience for everybody. And those, I have to say, are quite popular because I think the, the folks who are sitting at home thinking, well, I just don't even know where I would start. You know, a group session is a good way to introduce yourself and maybe you'll find a topic that you're interested in, whether it's range or, or home charging or charging on the go. Yeah, it, re- it really is. And I haven't spent enough time on the site yet, but this sounds very similar to what Cadillac was doing a couple of years ago with their sort of studio tours of the new Cadillac products, right? Absolutely. We actually, uh, we work very closely with that team as well. Uh, Chevy also has a studio like this too. And they have, I think it's uh, on the Chevrolet website, My Chevy it's called. Uh, Cadillac is on their Cadillac website. And we actually sometimes transfer calls between the studios. We We sometimes have folks that come to EV Live and they have questions and they start to think, well, maybe I really am interested in the new Silverado EV. So we will just send them over to the, to the Chevy team and they can learn about the Silverado EV for hours if they want to. And mm. trust me, people have talked about it for hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet I bet they have. And one of the pictures I saw, and it was, it was I think it was a, um, a press tour, and what was I was really fascinated about... Um, General Motors had a uh, an EV charging station that was powered by hydrogen, and you actually took the water byproduct of the hydrogen uh, station and, um, I think, watered the local plants with it or something. But the idea that, um, you know, some of this kind of recharging can be done without fossil fuels is kind of interesting. The idea that, you know, uh, here's here's this big box that's a level three charging station where people can charge up very quickly with their electric cars and it runs on hydrogen i thought was really kind of fascinating a little peek into the future well i have to say the team that i work with at gm uh this team is doing some absolutely incredible stuff that you know blows my mind every day so i i'm definitely excited because this is the kind of thing we're going to be able to share in ev live in the weeks and months and years to come uh, and that's why I encourage people, you know, obviously come in for a tour, but keep coming back because we always change the product in the studio. We always have new things we're, we're talking about. So it's one of those places that you can keep visiting time and time again and keep getting really cool new information. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, you know, where I, my full-time job, where I work at AAA, you know, we have, we have deployed mobile EV charging now, um, to test it out we have we have we're doing tests in the five states that i that i work in and uh, you know our plan is by the year 2030 that all of our light service trucks that go out and change things like flat tires and jumpstart batteries will all be electric vehicles at that point so um there is this commitment i think with a lot of businesses now to really try to go electric and the idea that gm is there to um help support that both on a, a, a private side as well as looking at some of the commercial vehicles that GM has in its offering as well. Yeah, well, and it's a really interesting point that you bring up. We've actually done a lot of work with our fleet and commercial team. Uh, we definitely are here to help companies, uh, you know, electrify their fleet, whatever that might look like for them. 
because we have so much product coming out and, and already out, frankly, uh, there, there really are great solutions for businesses that are looking to make a major change, and we are here to support and help every step of the way. No, it, it really is interesting. And again, the website is uh, evlive.gm.com, and there's all kinds of different parts and pieces of it where you can where you can go on tours and look at information and and, and it's just i think you could spend hours on on evlive.com and 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 just continue to learn about electric vehicles whether they're an electric vehicle is is you're ready for it today or whether it's maybe something a future purchase um but it takes a little bit of the mystery out of it and kind of leads you down the path of education at the same time and you might decide at the end that i'm not quite ready for an electric vehicle but you also might look at it and go you know that chevy bolt's a pretty cool little car that's right and that's exactly it we're we're here for you wherever you are on your journey uh we're here to help so please come visit us at evlive.gm.com and let us know what's on your mind well, Kaylee, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Thanksgiving Day weekend and in the middle of a house move on top of that. I, I really <laughs> appreciate that. So thank you very much for that, and uh, and good luck with the program. And you, you may see me pop on this website a couple times. So, Well, I sure hope so, and thank you. Um, I hope everyone has a safe and wonderful end to their Thanksgiving weekend. You as well. Take care. Now, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Kaylee Hill. Uh, she is the ecosystem manager for General Motors. And we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. And a little bit later in the program, we were talking EVs. We're going to be talking oil. We're going to be talking to somebody from Pennzoil about oil. And uh, that should prove, you know, we're, we're trying to balance here. We're trying to have a little EV talk, a little internal combustion talk. Uh, internal combustion cars are still out there. Uh, I mentioned last weekend I went to uh, an offshore boat race. No electric no electric boat motors out there. Not quite yet, at least. Uh, a lot of gasoline being burned out at the offshore boat races. So, you know, electric electric vehicles, certainly they're here. Um, the, the last uh, Uber or Lyft vehicle that I just saw dropping somebody off was a Model 3 Tesla. So uh, people, are, people are using electric vehicles for their ride share uh, or ride hailing vehicles as well. So again, everything's out there, electric vehicles. I think this is really the golden age of the automobile where you can buy something electric, you can buy something that's gas, you can buy a hybrid, you can buy a plug-in hybrid. There's all kinds of choices and I think the idea that you have those choices is, is really pretty good. Why don't we take that break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com join. Just as I was starting my medical training, I came down with an autoimmune disease that led to cancer. I needed a liver transplant. Fortunately, I got one from someone who registered as a donor. As a physician, I understand the barriers to organ donation. Some people think their organs are too old or just don't want to think about dying. But one organ donor can save up to eight lives. People who register as donors are heroes. And I'm here thanks to my hero. Be a hero. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. 
Don't miss the Just Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. A couple of questions from the mailbag. Um, Somebody writes in and they said, I have a 2008 Nissan Frontier V6 4x4 with a manual transmission and it just turned only 60,000 miles four years and some 35,000 miles ago the ABS light came on disabling the four-wheel drive after diagnosis at the dealership which cost $160 they were told it needed a new ABS actuator however I was also told it was a manual transmission the part was unavailable in the USA Uh, after contacting Nissan in Tennessee it took Nissan North America six weeks to locate one or they had one make one. They weren't sure, but it took six weeks to do it. They spent $1,600, $1,000 for the part, and $600 for labor, and the issue was fixed. Fast forward four years, and they have exactly the same issue, and, and they were told the uh, same issue with the part. Nissan did manage to locate two of the actuators, and he has now paid for the part to get one in advance. The truck is in great shape, and he just replaced the four tires and another pile of money as he describes it because tires no cheap tires anymore uh my question to you is does this sound normal for a vehicle like this i asked uh, for some goodwill but was declined any ideas or should i just drive the truck for a few years and cross my fingers before buying a new toyota um well i suspect the replacement part wasn't any better than the original which is probably why it only lasted thirty thousand miles um you know even though the truck is 15 years old if it is structurally sound so if it is in good shape um, because Nissan certainly had their share of issues with rust and some engine issues as well but um, I'd be tempted to fix it get the ABS working the way it should get the four-wheel drive system working the way it should Uh, you know 1600 bucks is expensive but with today's car prices it's really only about three monthly car payments so Historically, you know, and you mentioned, he mentioned, I think it's a he, mentioned at the end of his question um, about Toyota, should I just wait and buy a Toyota? Um, You know, Toyota back in 2008 also had a share of problems with rust, frames rusting out, beds rusting away, things like that. So, uh, you know, it really can, you know, the Nissan of the time may have been a better vehicle than the Toyota at the time. You don't really know. So, uh, you know, that's one thing to be a little bit aware of. Um, someone, someone wrote to me and said, they were telling me about their experience trying to get a flat tire fixed. And they went and they, they went to a tire store, um, and they got there around, uh, a quarter of four, I guess. And, uh, it was pretty busy. And I guess after about 40 minutes, somebody came out and said to him, I don't know that we're going to be able to get to this because we close at 5 o'clock. Um, eventually, they did actually get the tire fixed. Uh, they, they, they got it fixed before 5 o'clock, and they actually found a nail in it. But it took like three trips to the same tire store to find the nail in the tire, which can sometimes happen. It takes Sometimes it takes a while to, to, for it to 
pop up. But today we see a lot of people checking flat tires with just a spray bottle full of soap, and they sort of soap up the tire and uh, try to find it that way rather than take it off and put it in a tank that they would dunk the dunk the uh, tire in and be able to look for bubbles. And uh, uh, one of the comments was, you know, do you, do you think why did it take so long? And I kind of, you know, again, it may have been just this, you know, tire had a nail in it, and it took a while before somebody was able to find it. Um, I've even seen uh, some good tire stores will actually take the, the tire off the rim and kind of wipe down the inside of it and look for where the tire, had, you know, a little tiny nail or something has pierced through the uh, inside of the tire, you know, catch it on a rag or something, and it's, aha, there it is kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that can be some of the problems. The idea that they would have somebody come in with a flat tire and say, oh, we close at 5 o'clock, we're not going to be able to get to you before by the end of the day, just to me sounds like pretty poor customer service. Um, I know years back, years and years back, I worked for a tire store, and, um, you know, even if we were kind of doing something at the end of the day, you know, maybe I was fixing my own car or just hanging around telling stories. If somebody came in and said, hey, I got a flat tire, can you look at it? We would we would always we would always say, yeah, come yeah, bring it in. We'll look at it, um, you know, and fix it. And most of the time we didn't even charge anybody for it because the cash drawer was put away somewhere so uh we didn't we didn't you know we just sent them on their way and that person usually became a good customer afterwards so just one of those kind of weird things so uh but you know we'll have to we'll have to wait and wait and see and see how see how it's all you know see how customer service changes i guess i know uh near where i am right now um last spring um my car had a uh had a slow leak in a tire. I went to two different tire stores and said, oh, I have a slow leak in a tire. Can you take a look at it? There's a nail in it. I can see it. And uh, both of them said, oh, we can't get to it today. We're so short-handed, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit. And I ended up going to a, a local Walmart where they took it in, they patched it, they balanced the tire, they made sure everything was okay and sent me back on my way. So you kind of never, you kind of never know sometimes, but the idea of... Uh, you know, uh, not enough people working these days and things like this can, can make it sort of interesting. So we we'll have, have our to... next guest on the line. Well, that is fantastic that we are, uh, that we are ready to go. We, we talked about electric vehicles earlier and, uh, with, um, with the, uh, manager of, uh, GM, uh, electric vehicle ecosystems, but I thought we'd do a little bit of a change and talk a little bit about internal combustion engines. And like I said, that, um, you know, internal combustion engines, you know, uh, there's still going to be an awful lot of them. And the, uh, the, the heart of an internal combustion engine is good quality oil. And with us, we have Michael Thomas. He's the host of Pennzoil's podcast, Michael's Motor Alley. Michael, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Well, good morning. How are you, John? I am just fine on this uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving where I'm still suffering a bit from a turkey hangover, I think. <laughs> I understand that. Well, I'm telling you, I'm just slightly, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm slightly hungover, but 
But it's all good here in good old Houston, Texas, where it's nice and warm today. We we can't complain, thank goodness. Uh, and you know, just just this morning, I was answering an uh, answering an email from someone, and it's kind of an age old question about yeah. uh, synthetic oil, and uh, the person had about. 50,000 miles on their car, and their their question was, uh, I, uh, is there a benefit to switching to synthetic oil? And I heard that once I switch to synthetic oil, I can never switch back. Um, John, what's your thoughts on you that? Know, John, that's been a myth for a couple of generations. It really has, because I must say, real fast in a nutshell, I've been in the automotive business for about 47 years, several certifications, uh, and uh, I've heard that ever since I was turning wrenches many years ago. Now, the myth is, if you have a vehicle, you said this this person had like 50,000 miles, yep. which is not really considered high mileage or anything no, like that. No, not, not today. But, but and it's not, you know, the old guys would say, you, you, you know, put it in, and next thing you know, it's leaking all over the place, and I'm going bananas. You know, you can simply switch over, because most of the oils now have the characteristics of a synthetic and flowing very well, because we need that protection. There is not a problem of switching oil over to a synthetic or synthetic blend. By one thing I do say, if you have a vehicle maybe with 150,000 miles, John, you have seen over the years, it might, you know, the way synthetic oil flows, you might have some seepage fast, maybe a valve guide seal might want to consume a little bit, or maybe leak by one of the main seals, maybe. So I tell customers, if you have a vehicle like 20 years old and uh, a lot of miles, if you put it in there, just double check, double check the leaks. Other than that, the engine will be running very well with that slippery lubricant. Yeah, it it really is, and and I will admit that several decades ago now, I guess that um, I was I was, and you have to know me, I'm um, I'm cheap, um, and I was, and, okay. and and I and I and I was like, well, why do I want to spend the money for synthetic oil when I change my oil relatively often? I do it myself, so why would I spend the money on synthetic oil? And I guess I must have said it often enough where. A uh, oil company sent me a case of synthetic oil, so I so so I said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at this synthetic oil stuff." And I did what every yeah. good husband does. I put it in my wife's car just in case something went wrong. I could say, you know, uh, so I put it in Not her in car. car. Yeah, Not yeah, car. yeah, yeah. So I so so I put it in her car, and um and and she's she's a pretty aware person, and it was we yeah. were approaching winter weather, and I said, you know, since I changed the oil in your car, what have you noticed? And she said, yeah. you know, uh, uh, it seems like it starts up quicker and it seems quieter, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, and. Um, and after that, I became a synthetic oil believer, and I, yeah. I'll put synthetic oil in everything I own, including you know my lawnmower, um, because I, there, there, yeah, there is there is this benefit, and um, you know somebody a long time ago described, uh, actually it was a, a listener to the radio show. We were, I was trying to describe the difference between synthetic and regular oil, and yeah. uh, and a listener called in and said, here's the deal. Take a pool table 
and throw a basketball on top of it, a football on top of it, a couple pool balls, a baseball, you know, a, a square piece of wood, and then try to roll a yeah. piece of plywood over the top of it. That's conventional oil. Now take six pool balls, put them on the table, roll that same piece of plywood. All the molecules are the same size. That's synthetic oil. And I said, you know, that's a pretty good way to to look at it. And since then, I've seen kind of a similar explanation of how synthetic oil and and people a lot of times think synthetic oil isn't made from old dinosaurs, but it really is, right? You, you think about it depends on who, whose oil company you're dealing with. Like take for instance, most of the oil companies out here that have. Uh, it starts off with crude oil, and they have yep. to clean it up. We be in pins oil. Our base oil is made from natural gas, where it's 99.5% pure of any impurities, where we have to clean it up, you know, strain it, get all the uh, contaminants uh, out of it. Our start off that way, which is uh, some people think it's something new, but it's been around for like three or four generations. But, yes, getting back to some of your synthetic oils that are being made from some of the companies, they really would grab that base oil and really clean it up, and then they would add their other, you know, other components that you have. It's almost like what they call a PAO, which is, uh, it's like poly, I can't even say it because it is a long, a long word, but PAO and esters that they blend together to make a synthetic oil, including us. We, we, we use the esters and other components, um, friction modifiers and anti-foamings, all that that you put in to, to make that oil. And uh, that's why now, if you, if you look at the scene now, John, every vehicle coming off the assembly line is coming with a synthetic blend or full synthetic motor oil. Yeah, it, looking at it at least probably 95% of the vehicles probably now not coming with conventional oil because, you know, Synthetic is a very slippery road. It was just for the performance cars, if you remember back, you know, with Corvettes and yeah. the Porsches. But now your standard vehicle is rolling with a superior motor oil with, you know, less friction, less wear, less drag, better gas mileage. Yeah, and, and this um, and it's funny you mentioned the Pennzoil oil that's made from natural gas. That was my... Um, that has been in the car that I have, which is a few years old now, but it only has about 20... 5,000 miles on it. Um, that has been my oil of choice in my last few oil changes, only because as I kind of looked at the myriad of, of oil on the shelf at the, you know, at the store, you know, I looked at yeah. them all and I looked at some that, you know, oh, well, this one, this was my favorite 20 years ago for whatever reason. I don't know why. And, but I looked at the Pennzoil oil, uh, the uh, platinum synthetic made from natural gas. And I'm like, that's an idea. Let's give that a shot. And that has been my oil change for the last few oil changes. And oh, uh, it, nice yeah, and it, and it is it is a um, uh, it is it is a, a good quality. I, I guess I can't say because I've never done an oil analysis to see how it's doing. But uh, but uh, but I have to I have to admit it seems to do everything it's supposed to do. And and I like the idea that it's made from natural gas. I think that's kind of neat. Um, I'm telling you, and John, I you know, don't want to break too much. That oil, our base oil, is factory fill in a number of vehicles from these Demon and Hellcats that guys are flying around in for Ferrari, Maserati, 
there's a number of vehicles that trust that technology over many, many years, and it's been proven. Uh, it's been proven. We, we like to look at the fact in NASCAR, the number 22, Joey Logano, won the championship, and he's running the same base oil made from natural gas. Mm. We, we like to brag about that. It's, it's a good performance oil as well as an everyday oil for everyone to use. And the different viscosity is 020 you know, 530, uh, even the 016 for some of our, uh, some of the other vehicles, uh, the Honda and Toyotas. So yeah. very good. Yeah. And, and the, the other, the other part of all of this is, um, and I will admit that, you know, when I first heard about high mileage oil, I thought it yeah. was just, I thought it was just somebody in the marketing department said, Let's let's market something called high mileage oil, and I'm like, well, isn't, isn't oil oil? But the high mileage oil has a benefit, right? Yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that up, John. It's not just a lot of baloney being thrown out there. The high mileage, and you think about it, most people are keeping their vehicles longer over the years, putting the miles on it. You just can't go out there and buy some of these newer cars; they're so doggone expensive. But now. Our high mileage, and I'm, I'm sure pretty much the rest of the guys out there, high mileage have extra seal conditioners formulated in the motor oil, John, because you know as being a, I'm a gearhead, you got rubber valve guide seals, you got main seals. And you just, I tell people just like rubber bands, they get a little old over the years internally. You got rubber seals that tend to get old over the years. And the extra seal conditioners can literally, and I tell people, it's if you've got an engine that's consuming so much oil and leaking so much oil, it's time to get some service done to that vehicle. There's not a mechanic in a bottle that's going to take care of that. But if you're getting some years on your vehicle and maybe consuming a little bit, that high-mileage motor oil is a beefed-up oil that can definitely take care of those seals somewhat if you got a little leakage or a little oil consumption. Kind of shrink those and prolong the life. It's not making it brand new, but I'm telling you, it truly works and a good benefit for vehicles that's getting up in age. It's not your standard conventional your, or full synthetic. This is, we do make it in a line of synthetic blend because some people prefer let me have a blend high mileage and we do make it at a full synthetic. But overall, high mileage motor oil is no joke. It truly can uh, enhance and prolong the life of a vehicle. It's uh, excellent stuff. I actually used it personally about 25 years ago because when we came out with our line back in the mid-90s, I had a vehicle that was pushing like 190000 consuming a little bit, and I started using it, and I saw things over a few months that where I didn't have to add as much oil. So it truly works firsthand. And the and the idea of you mentioned the you know vehicles and people keeping their cars longer. Well, people are buying cars and they're buying them at at, at in some cases somewhat inflated prices, which really means for people they they need to keep their cars longer than ever because if you know if you're somebody who trades a car in every three or four years but you paid a ten thousand dollar premium to buy it. Uh, you know, you're going to be upside down on that car almost as soon as you almost as soon as you buy it. So by keeping it longer, 
and keeping it in good shape and making sure you have good quality oil in there and changing oil um, as recommended by the vehicle manufacturer, that's going to help you maintain that vehicle and maintain the value of the vehicle, right? Yes, John. People ask us all the time. I happen to have a, uh, a technical hotline at 1-800-BEST-DOOR where we answer questions on all sorts of vehicles from Model A's to, to new vehicles. And people say, hey, I just I, I saw something. I, you know, they said I can keep the oil in 20,000. 20, I said, number one, we have to go with what the automaker is stating. Their engineers have already tested these engines under extreme conditions the the motor oil has a certain life they feel and if it states go with the oil life indicator or change the oil every six or seven or eight thousand miles let's go with that because it's already been tested don't go don't go and just start leaving it in the oil is the life lifeblood of your engine and let's change it when it's time new filter you ought to get good life out of that engine when you follow follow what's in the back of your owner's manual or follow what your your OEM dealership is stating, please. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, people will say to me sometimes, well, you know, I, I don't really drive that far. Can I go eight or 9,000 miles on an oil change? I'm like, nope. You know, follow what your manufacturer recommends. That they're the yeah. ones who recommended that, and um, you know the other the other thing is before we let you go, uh, there's uh, there's a Pennzoil deal coming up for uh, Cyber Monday, right? Yes, let me tell you, we're we're looking at Cyber Monday deals. Pennzoil, you have Amazon, they're having a deal going on with the uh, the Pennzoil Ultra Platinum five W thirty. For those boys with their European vehicles, we got the Platinum Euro Full Synthetic 540. This is all at Amazon. You got uh, you got the 530 Euro as well. And another company that's got cyber going on is the Fleet Fleet Farm. Go online and check out Fleet Farm as well as Amazon. They are cruising with the Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic. Got some high mileage Full Synthetic going on. I'm telling you, you can't beat that. As, as well as our full synthetic line. And the Amazon, theirs is going on for the 23rd, November 23rd to the 29th, so keep that in mind, people. And uh, Fleet Farm has theirs uh, November 25th to the 27th. So please check it out and take advantage of the deal. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to learn more about you and uh, and your Motor Alley, how how can they how can they listen to your podcast? Sure, sure. Well, there's well, first my podcast is called Michael's Motor Alley, uh, uh, presented by Pennzoil, where motor oil is in motion. Michael's Motor Alley, check it out. Got some good things about motor oil, preventive maintenance, a lot of good things. Talk with race different race car drivers and other enthusiasts. Now, if you have oil questions, I we have our technical hotline, 1-800-BEST-OIL. And again, you can ask us any question on any car known to man. We can answer with our crew, or you can, if you have questions, you can go on our, on our email. It's, uh, it's shelltechnical-us at shell.com. So those are ways that you can touch base with me and we can uh, answer questions and uh, and keep your car on the road. 
There you go. Michael, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning on this Thanksgiving weekend and joining us on the Car yes. Doctor program. It's been my pleasure, John, anytime. And maybe one day, John, I would like to have you on Michael's Motor Out. Sounds like it'd be fun. That'll be great. All right. Well, John, All right. take care. Take care. Bye-bye. We need to take another break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. You're invited to a special art exhibition at the James Library and Center for the Arts. 2021-22 is a free juried art exhibition showcasing and honoring art created during unprecedented times. Through December 17th, see what artists created over the last three years during a life-altering time in our history. Sponsored by Napier Financial and the Cordelia Family Foundation, this show features art of all mediums and is sure to leave a lasting impression. The James Library has a handicap-accessible entrance and parking, an elevator to bring you to the concert hall, art gallery, or library, and COVID safety protocols in place so you can enjoy the best in arts close to home, regardless of physical or financial ability. Visit the James Tuesday through Friday from 1 to 5 and Saturday from 11 to 1 at 24 West Street in Norwell. Plan your trip on the James's special events page at jameslibrary.org. Keep your car in tip-top shape at Joseph's Garage. Have your oil changed, tires checked, get an inspection sticker, or just gas at Joseph's Garage, right down the street from the James in Norwell. Joseph's Garage now offers Gulf Pay at their pumps. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com join. Holiday well wishes and cheerful tidings are one thing, but after a year of good behavior, we're all wondering, what's in Santa's bag? Listen December 1st through the 16th for Santa and his bells and be the correct caller to identify the toy you'll hear about in a classic commercial. And you'll get a nice new prize from your station for all seasons. 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor on 95.9 WATD. Now back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. I I will admit I didn't plan on having two guests on the same show because I like to leave I like to leave uh, uh, room to be able to talk to our listeners. Uh, but it just happened to work out that way. It was I kind of had one I had both of them sort of tentatively booked and they both popped up at the same time. So I tried to spread them out a little bit. Um, next week I think we're talking to somebody from Lucas Lucas Oil uh, Lucas Additives, which. Um, you know, I'm not a huge additive fan, but there are some that do a really good job. And uh, I thought I'd talk to the folks from Lucas about that. So I think they're coming up uh, next week. So we'll talk to talk to them as well. Uh, one of the one of the interesting emails I got this week was um, somebody was shopping for a new car. And they were shocked to learn that cars don't have CD players in them anymore and haven't for several years. They have a 2017 BMW X3, and they can't imagine not having a CD player since they're always listening to books on CD. Do people still call them books on tape, Jesse, even though there's no tape? I think so. But um, it's but just audio books. Yeah, just audio books. Is that what you call them? You don't call them books on tape? Dates you a bit? 
Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's been a while since we've used yeah. a cassette tape, right? Yeah, yeah. Books on books on eight track. Um, but uh, yeah, there are there. I mean, there's still a few cars with CD players. Uh, Nissan still has one, and the last Cadillac I drove had a CD player. I think you can get an aftermarket CD changer um, uh, installed in your vehicle, so it can be something that you know they can tuck away somewhere, or maybe even install it in the trunk like they used to in the old days with uh, sort of a CD jukebox, so you can load up you know five or ten. Or you can do what a lot of people do if you like audio books. You, a lot of libraries today allow you to download audiobooks onto, you know, tablets and phones and stuff. So you could actually download an audiobook and then either wire it or Bluetooth it directly to your car. So you're essentially doing the same thing. And that's why CD players have sort of disappeared because they're not, you know, they're just not that popular the technology anymore. has advanced. I mean, with audiobooks, I, I listen to them all the time, but you use, you know, Audible or Scribd or yeah. one, of the, one of the iPhone apps or whatever, just Bluetooth it or auxiliary to your right to your uh, uh, vehicle although in the in the realm of dumb trivia that i know there is a um there is a uh, uh, government agency that is basically the museum of sound so it's it's basically where they record cool stuff and save it so you know when the you know when the first astronaut landed on the moon you know that you know one step for mankind that whole thing or you know uh, the soundtrack of the wizard of oz or whatever you know you know whatever whatever you look at as historical significance they you know the audio was saved somewhere in a giant vault and um they were trying to figure out where to save it how to save it so you know you you know, back in the, you know, who who knows when they started doing all this, you know, they said well, you know, we'll save it on cassette tapes. You know, like you know, like Jesse pointed out, when was the last time you saw a cassette tape? Or, you know, we'll save it on CDs. Hmm, you know, no CD players anymore. So, uh, so how, how do you think they're saving saving these sound? They're saving them on yeah, just records. hard drives and computers. Records. Actual records? Uh, well, they're like kind of... records? Well, titanium, I think. But, oh. um, but, yeah, the idea is that basically to listen to a record, you need like a rock and a stick. You know, and you can, you know, you, you think about how a record works. You could take, you could take a, uh, a, a needle and make a cone and stick the needle in the end of the cone and then drag it, you know, have it go around the grooves of the record and you could, and sound would come out. Oh, so this is how so, they're like permanently storing these just right. in case it's sort of a data breach or yeah. like a hard drive were to get wiped or, out. Or, or, or just in a million years if someone says, you know, there was this guy, the car doctor on WATD. I wonder mm -hmm. what that was all about. And they could go back and find yeah, the historical significance. Government of, is definitely making titanium recordings of these episodes for sure. Uh, yeah, you don't think so? <laughs> Got to be safe. Yeah, well, that and uh, that and um, you know, hometown ghost stories probably too. Oh, of yeah. course, yeah. We actually yeah. only record on titanium. Yeah, <laughs> but I was I was sort of fascinated to hear that. Like, and 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 that was and that was the odd answer was because. As much as the technologies advanced to hard drives and all that, well, in, you know, a thousand years, you know, what's a hard drive? Nobody's even going to know what that is. So, um, so they said, you know, why don't we go very basic with the idea that you can, you know, you can reproduce sound with a very minimal amount of, um, uh, you know, technology, which I thought was, which I thought was kind of interesting. So... Anyway, so that's that's my little story. And sort of in the same sort of vein of automotive, um, 
I was out for a walk the other morning, and there was a Corrig coffee machine out by the side of someone's house. And it had a sign on it that said it works. I'm like, I'll bring it home, see if it works. So I, uh, I, I came home, and I filled it with water and plugged it in. And sure enough, hot water came out just like it was supposed to. And I did that four or five times. And um, two different people who saw me walking with it said, oh, when you go home, you know, run some vinegar through that. You know, clean it out, make sure it's in, you know. So I came home, and then afterwards I put some vinegar in it, and it quit working. So I uh, took it apart like I do with everything and, uh, before I threw it in the trash and uh, started to blow some air through different places. And I found that the vinegar actually washed out the calcium or whatever builds up inside things that water runs through. And it clogged it up, so I unclogged it. But then uh, I was not particularly neat when I was blowing air through it and... Um, Water got kind of all over the inside of it, and I plugged it back in, and um, I let the smoke out of it. And uh, and there's sort of a saying in, I guess, all electronics, sort of, whether it's automotive or not. And I mentioned it to my neighbor who works on boats, and he said, uh, how'd you make out with that coffee machine? And I said, yeah, you know, I let the smoke out of it. And he kind of looked at me, and I said that to my wife, too, and she kind of looked at me. I said, everything electronic runs on smoke. And when you let the smoke out, it doesn't work anymore. And my wife said, that's dumb. But it is kind of sort of, it isn't true. But no, it shorted out anyway. Uh, someone else wrote to me and said they have a uh, uh, 1969 Camaro uh, pace car replica. They've had it for a long time. They had a compression test done. Uh, the compression is 135 to 145 pounds, and all but the number three cylinder, which is 115 pounds of compression. After a good tune-up, the car runs really well. Should I be concerned with this number three cylinder as a fixed? It's going to be a major job. And I and my response was typically you don't want to see 10% variation in. Uh, compression tests. And he didn't say whether it was a wet or dry compression test, but typically you don't want to see more than 10% uh, variation. Uh, so he's got seven cylinders are good, one's at a little bit low, but it's not that low. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, 120 would probably be as low as you'd want to go under perfect circumstances. So realistically, 115, eh, it's close enough. To me, um, I don't think I'd, you know, go through an engine rebuild right now. I'd just drive the car and enjoy it. Hey, that music means we need to go. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, executive producer Jesse for keeping us on the air. Thank you, sir, for doing everything you do at your end. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.